You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good to see you guys and some amazing worship today. How about that? That was just so good. Let's give the Lord a praise offering. Thank the Lord for that. <clears throat> so glad you're here. And uh, thank you so much for your flexibility in the service change times. I just want to say that to you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, you know, we're helping out the family island campus a little bit with some streaming issues. So I'll be speaking live there at 9 and then back here at 1030. So still plan to get you home by lunchtime, hopefully, you know, so, so thank you so much for your flexibility on that. I really, really appreciate that. We're in a series called, um, showdown in Egypt, and it's basically on the life of Moses as he confronts Pharaoh. We haven't quite got to the confrontation part yet, but we're looking at the life of Moses and, uh, just love studying this. Moses was uh, a work in progress like we are, and I just love looking at these things. And so today we're going to be looking at Moses's call, how he encountered the Lord and how he got that call from the Lord. And in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, I want to read that and then we'll kind of dive into what this is about. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, which is the same thing as Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Therefore, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight while the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring you them up into the land, into the good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Mosquito Bites. Anyhow, there we go. <laughs> And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So when we see this story, uh, Moses is in Midian. This is, uh, you know, geographically, it's kind of like where Kuwait is now. You got the, uh, the Red Sea. It's got two little prongs up there, and the Gulf of Aqaba is on the right side, and Midian is sort of on the east of that. So it's the Arabian Desert, and that's where he's at. And, and how did he get there? He got there because he was fleeing out of Egypt because he killed an Egyptian and his people, the Israelites had rejected Moses's leadership, which is a theme in his life. And he has fled to this place of safety and uh, everything's changed in Moses's life. Everything is, you know, he had 40 years in Egypt where he was the prince of Egypt. Everything is so good. And all of a sudden things dramatically change in his life. 
and he finds himself in a threatening, fearful situation, and he's fleeing because he's in danger. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced a shift in your circumstances where you are pretty comfortable and things are pretty good and everything seems to be really fine in your life and your job is going good, your health is good, your family's good, everything looks good. And then all of a sudden there's a change of the conditions of your life. And that's what's happened to Moses. He's had 40 years of just prosperity. Things have gone so well for him. He's been blessed. He's been prosperous. He's had favor in Egypt. And then all of a sudden he goes out and he kills this Egyptian. And Pharaoh, the head of the empire, has Moses as a fugitive and is trying to kill Moses. So everything changes in Moses' life immediately and he's a fugitive, and he's under threat, and he's running. So for us, you know, you go to the doctor, you get that bad doctor's report. You know, hey, we want to run some more tests. We got to look at this. Or maybe there's a change in your company. You know, we're going to downsize. We're going to eliminate some of the workforce here. Or maybe you're at a school situation. You're wondering if you're going to be able to get through the program you've entered into. Uh, all kinds of things can threaten us. And, and what fear is, is the anticipation of failure because of something that's changed in our life. And so that's what we're dealing with in Moses' life. He's feeling like everything has changed. And, and we, we remember what happened in Exodus 2, 15 through 17. It says, when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses. And Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to Midian, where he sat down by a well, where he sat down by a well. So Moses is running He's afraid, he's fleeing because his life is under threat and he feels insecure. He's out of his comfort zone and he's running and he's afraid, but he goes to Midian and the Bible says when he gets to Midian, he sits down at a well. And here's the thing about what the Lord does for us. The Lord is our protector. The Lord gives us a place of safety when we are in a sense of being threatened and when our life is in jeopardy and we're going through a difficult time, God has a Midian for us. He has a place for us to go, a place of safety where he tucks us in a safe place and watches over us. And we have a place where we can, like Moses, sit down by a well. And when you see Moses sit down by the well, he's not running anymore. He's not afraid anymore. He's not fearful anymore. But he's got a place where he can sit down by the well. And that's, a, that's an image, that's a metaphor of safety and peace. Every time you go through, and every time I go through, a horrific situation where everything in our life changes and our environment becomes threatening, God always has a Midian place for us. He has a, a place called Midian where we can find rest, where we can sit down and we can find peace. How many know that you can find peace in the most horrific storm that you go through? Regardless of what you go through, regardless of what you experience, there's a place where God can give you peace and you can rest even in the midst of the storm. Years ago, I was uh, playing golf at uh, Baywood with uh, Gordon Carlisle, who used to be the principal at Epworth Christian School. And I am like the worst golfer, golfer ever, ever. I'm terrible at golf. I'm not good at it. You know, Mark Twain said golf is a game that ruins a nice walk. I believe that. And my golf game is sort of like, you know, hunting. We're in the woods looking for something all the time. 
So anyhow, I was golfing with Gordon, and uh, he's a very good golfer, and we were out in Baywood in one of the greens there, beautiful golf course, and this, the clouds turn black, and uh, the wind begins to get cooler, and there's a big storm coming up. I mean, the black clouds were just billowing above us, and all of a sudden, the thunder and the lightning and the rain started sheets of rain. And we get in our golf cart and we're kind of going down the golf uh, path there. And there is a gazebo. Gazebo is sort of like, well, I can't remember what hole it's on. We pulled up that golf cart to that gazebo and we went into that gazebo. And we were able to weather the storm in that gazebo. And we just sat there and talked. And the rain is just coming all around us and the lightning flashing. And what I want to say to you this morning is when you're in a storm, God always has a gazebo for you. God always has a place for you. He has a place for you to find refuge and peace. He can give you peace in the midst of your storm. And God gave Moses Midian, this place where he stayed for 40 years where he stayed and he was protected and he was watched over and he was guided and he was protected and he found peace and he was able to sit down at the well when everything around him was in chaos. And the Lord just wants to encourage you today that God has a place of peace for you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, there is a Midian, there's a place where God will tuck you in security where you can be at peace. And Moses stayed at Midian for 40 years where he experienced the peace and the protection of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 23 uh, that the Lord is our shepherd. Listen to this. He makes us lie down in green pastures. You know, when you have a shepherd and you're a sheep, you can lay down in the grass after your belly is full of the green grass. You can lay down and sleep. And the reason you can sleep is because the Lord is watching over you. The shepherd is watching over you. And the image that King David gives us there is that when you're in threat and you're going through a difficult time, you can rest. You can find peace. You can find security in the midst of the storm that you're in. I don't know if you remember in Acts chapter 12 when Peter was in jail. He was incarcerated by the Sanhedrin. And when he was put in jail by the Sanhedrin, uh, the Sanhedrin and Herod Agrippa I uh, is the guy that was in charge. He was the great grandson, who was the grandson of uh, Herod the Great. And he, was, uh, he put Peter in jail. He had just killed James, uh, one of the apostles of Jesus. He had just killed him with a sword. And he saw that it pleased the crowd, it says in Acts chapter 12. And so he proceeded to put Peter in jail as well. And Peter's in jail. And it says, listen to this, it says the night before, the night before Peter was going to be brought out to trial and presumably would be killed, that Peter is sleeping between two soldiers. He's, 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 he has a... Two soldiers tethered to his arms, his feet are in stocks. He has two soldiers that are at the door, sentry soldiers that are watching the door. And Peter, here he is facing the night before. He's going to go to trial against Herod and perhaps even lose his life. And what is Peter doing? Peter is sleeping. How many know that you can sleep? God can give you peace even when you're in a threatening situation. 
And that's what happened to Peter. You know, he's just, he's laying there. And I bet the soldiers couldn't sleep because Peter was snoring. I bet he was snoring. Now, how many have a spouse that snore? Don't even raise your hand. Don't even think about it. Have you ever been with somebody in a motel room that they just snore and snore? I just can't imagine Peter is snoring. You know, he needs a CPAC machine, whatever. He, he is snoring and he's at rest. And I want to ask you, how many times have you been worried about something at work? How many times have you been worried about something going on in your life and you spend the night watching the ceiling fan go around? You've got insomnia because you are worried about what is going on in your life. But the Bible says that Peter was asleep between two soldiers. And when the angel of the Lord appeared in the story and comes into the cell with great light, uh, Peter didn't even wake up then. You know, the angel had to kind of shove him and wake him up because he's in such a deep sleep. I want you to say this with me. I can sleep and be at peace when chaos is around me. So when you look at Moses... Moses is sitting down by a well. He's finding a place of refuge. He's finding a place of peace. He's finding a place of security. And the Lord has a place of peace and security for you, and he wants to watch over you. Let me give you a few verses here that will be comfort to you. Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and they're safe. And then it says in Psalm 46, 1 through 3, 1 through 3 God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. God is not a help for you in the future. God is not a help for you, you know, three months from now. God is an ever-present help. He has provided for you a place of peace and tranquility right where you are. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. What, what the psalmist is saying there, doesn't matter if you're in an earthquake, doesn't matter if your situation is so bad, it's like a, a mountain that falls in the sea, the things that you depend on, the stability things in your life, the things that you rely on, even if those things are threatened, the Lord is your refuge and the Lord is your strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. He is your help right now. He is my help right now. He is with us. He has not forsaken us. He has not left us. He has given us a Midian. He's given us a place of refuge and a place to find security. When you think about the uh, early church, you know, uh, after Jesus was ascended to heaven, Jesus had told the early church that, uh, that the day is coming when Jerusalem would be surrounded by armies. And when that day came, it says in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 21, when you see armies encompass Jerusalem, flee to the mountains, find a place of refuge, find a place of peace, find a place where you're going to be safe. And in AD 66, this is 30 years, 33 years basically after, about 30 year, 33 years after Jesus was uh, raised from the dead, the Jewish people revolted against the Roman Empire and the Roman armies came in to Jerusalem, around Jerusalem to destroy the city. But you know, the early church, they're filled with the Spirit in Jerusalem and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and there was a prophet that was in the gathering of the church of Jerusalem that prophesied before the army showed up and said, we need to flee out of Jerusalem. 
And so historians, Eusebius and other great historians, Josephus and all these people that are, there's about four or five ancient references that the, Jew, uh, the Christians in Jerusalem heard the Lord speak to them about the coming disaster on Jerusalem. And they fled to a place called Perea to a town called Pella that's in the mountains. And here's a picture of that, uh, of that place called Pella. And they, they, they went to that place and they found security. And there's evidence that the Christians found this place of refuge when the war, the Jewish war took place. So when you think about how does God work in our life, how God works in our life is when there is a difficulty that we encounter, the Lord has a place of rest for us, a place of peace to watch over us and protect us. I can tell you from my personal experience and my journey, and my journey is much like your journey, stuff has happened in my life that's threatened my security. Things have threatened me and I've gone through you know, difficulties and I found and I'm finding more and more that God is always faithful. He's an ever present help in trouble. He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll take care of me. And the Lord is with us and the the Lord is with you today. And I want you to just say this with a big voice right now. The Lord is with you, with me, regardless, regardless of what I'm going through. I was um, disheartened to see Charles, Dr. Charles Stanley die uh, about a couple months ago. And uh, how many ever watched uh, Dr. Charles Stanley on TV? Just loved him. I got to, I knew, I got to meet his son once, Andy, and uh, I was at a conference where Charles Stanley was just sitting across the aisle from me. That's my closest connection with Charles Stanley. And I didn't want to go bother him and, you know, ask him to sign my Bible or anything. I didn't want to do that. But um, Charles Stanley, I, I watched, if you haven't watched his memorial service on YouTube, it's incredible. It's about two and a half hours of testimonies and worship. It's absolutely incredible. But they were telling the story about Charles Stanley. When he first went to First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, he had a lot of resistance there and the board and people were trying to get rid of him. And he felt like the Lord had sent him there. And he was going through a really, really hard time. And um, he said this, this elderly lady in the church said to him, uh, Dr. Stanley, will you come? Uh, I want to have lunch with you. And afterwards, I want you to come to my apartment. I want to show you something. And Dr. Stanley said she was in her 70s and I was 30. So I felt pretty safe to go up there, you know. To... <laughs> and so they have lunch and she takes him to the hallway where there's a picture of Daniel in the, uh, in the lion's den. And, and she says to him, Dr. Stanley, I want you to look at this picture and I want you to tell me uh, everything you see in that picture. And so Dr. Stanley is going through the picture, trying to say, you know, I, I see this lion over there and I see all that. And he's trying to point out everything that he can see in the picture. And finally she said, Dr. Stanley, you're missing the point. The point is, is that Daniel is not looking at the lions. Daniel's not looking at the lions. Daniel is looking up at the Lord and his focus is on the Lord. And she says to him, this 70-year-old woman says to, uh, to Dr. Stanley, Dr. Stanley, you need to keep your eyes on the Lord and not keep your eyes on the lion. You know, a lot of times we go through life and we got our focus on the, the thing that threatens us, the thing that threatens us, and we, we see that as a negative thing. So the first thing I want to see in this story about Moses today is that Moses found a, uh, he found a place of security, he found a place of protection, and God took care of him and watched over him as he went through this. Now, here's another point about Moses. When God calls, calls Moses, 
in Exodus chapter 3, uh, verses uh, 1, what Moses was doing when he was called is instructive. He was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Now, here's a, there's a principle here <clears throat> that I see over and over again, is that people that God calls and commissions to use them in a mighty way, almost every time they are called by the Lord, they are actively involved in something practical. They're actively involved in doing something. Now, obviously, all these great people of faith in the Bible, they have times of prayer and they seek in the Lord and they worship the Lord. But when you see people that are called by the Lord in the Bible, they are always actively involved in being productive. Now, there's something about this that God always chooses people that are have their hands engaged, they're, they're working, they're occupying, they're, they're serving, they're doing things. And God always chooses people that are doing something that says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. That was the condition in which Moses received his call from the Lord. Now, here's a little practical application at this point is, and this is the application here is this, simply that, that we have to be faithful right where we are. We, we, we need to be faithful at the moment and the place where we are. So many times we're always thinking about, I wish we were here. I wish I had this job or I wish I had this situation or I wish I had this particular opportunity. And we're always sort of dreaming about where we want to be instead of being responsible for where we are. It's important if we're going to be successful in life for us to be responsible for where we are. And if we're responsible for where we are, God will open doors for where he wants us to be. Very important principle for us to think about that. You think about the people that God called in, in the New Testament, for instance, when, when Jesus called Simon Peter, what was Simon Peter doing? It says in Mark chapter 1, verse 16, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. When, when, when uh, Jesus called Peter and Andrew, they were fishing. They were doing something. They were being responsible and productive. And it says concerning uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 19, that they were preparing their nets or they were mending their nets. How about this Old Testament picture? When Elisha was called into the ministry to take Elijah's place, what was he doing when he was called? What he was doing when he was called, it says in 1 Kings 19, verse 19, so Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So there's a pattern that what the people that God uses and that he opens great doors for are always being responsible for the, what they have before them now and they are doing their job well and they're being faithful with where they are. And that's an important principle. Last uh, Sunday, there was a young lady here that was getting ready to take her, her MCATs uh, to get into medical school. Her name is Abby. Here's a picture of Abby. And uh, I met Abby. I've known Abby and her family, uh, uh, her mom, mom and dad, uh, Mario and Joanne come here and wonderful, wonderful young lady. And she, we prayed for her in the lobby because she was very much, uh, uh, in consternation and concern about taking her MCATs. And you know, if you got, you got to get a good grade on these, on these, uh, tests to, in order to get into medical school. And so we prayed for her. And I remember 
as we were praying for her, sensing that the Lord had an incredible plan for this young lady's life. And that one, she had dreamed of being a doctor for years. And uh, she was going to take, she took the MCATs on Friday. And now she's on, today she's on her way to Italy to shadow some doctors uh, for a, a special program that she's in this summer. But you know what I know about people like, like uh, Abby? People that are faithful in school, people that are faithful where they are, people that are taking care of Jethro's flock. When you do what you're supposed to do, God will open big doors for you in the future. So it's important for us to be occupiers and be faithful right where we are. Say this with me. I am called to be faithful in doing what I'm called to do right now. Faithful here opens the doors for opportunities later. And that's the important thing. When I was called into the ministry, I, I went to a little Bible college in Pensacola, Florida, and I finished my training, uh, and that was my first leg of my training. And, and I remember, you know, I wanted to preach so bad, and I, I was made a deacon in the church. And my job as a deacon in the church was to set up uh, the tape table to sell tapes. Uh, how many remember cassette tapes? Do you remember cassette tapes? Raise your hand if you remember cassette tapes. If you don't remember cassette tapes, I, I totally get it. But that was a thing, you know. That was a thing. That was a four streaming and all that. And I had to set up the cassette tapes of all the pastors that were, uh, that were preaching. It was a big church. There was multiple preachers in the church there. And different pastors had different colored tapes, and I would line them up. And it was my job to set up the tapes and sell the tapes. And then when the service is over, pack up the tapes and put the tapes on a cart and carry them into the storage room. That's what I did every Sunday. And I remember thinking, Lord, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't train. I didn't train to be a tape carrier. That's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. But the Lord just spoke to me about having a good attitude about being faithful where I was. And faithfulness where you are always is the key to opportunities in the future. Always being faithful where you are is the key to opportunities in the future. One night I was finishing up, putting the tapes out, and the senior pastor, Ken Semerall, came up behind me. He had gone to his car, and then I think the Lord spoke to him to come back to encourage me, and I was loading up the tapes. And he put his arm around me, and he said, he said, Danny, uh, you're faithful taking care of these tapes, and I, I appreciate that very much. He said, but one day God has a ministry for you where you're going to preach and teach the Word. You know, faithfulness where you are. Jethro, he was taking care of Jethro's flocks. It wasn't even his flocks. He didn't even own the flocks. So if you're working for a company and it's not even your company and you want your own company, make sure that you do a great job for somebody else. And as you do a great job for somebody else, one day God will open a door for you to have your own company. So faithfulness where you are opens doors for other things. And then we have this uh, incredible, uh, incredible part where uh, Moses receives this call, where he gets a call from the Lord, and the call comes, uh, and, and the Lord speaks to Moses, and, and there's a burning bush there, and we see this incredible moment where Moses encounters the Lord. He encounters the grace of the Lord. The Lord speaks to him, and uh, he sees this burning bush. And he's attracted to the burning bush. And we see in this story, we see this incredible moment where the supernatural and the ordinary come together. We have the, the bush, the, just a normal bush. There's nothing uh, special about the bush. It wasn't a sacred bush. It was just an old bush. 
And then God in his supernatural power, he integrated himself with that bush. And what we see happening in life, what the Lord does with us as we're going through the ordinary parts of our life, as we go through, you know, the things that we're called to do in life, this supernatural glory of God will intersect with the ordinary parts of our life. And sometimes we think, you know, hey, the only time I can hear the Lord is like in church or, you know, uh, in, a, in a night of worship or some great conference. But the fact is, is that God speaks to us in the ordinary places of life. And he comes to Moses and he sees the bush, this ordinary bush, nothing special about the bush. And he sees this bush and the Lord speaks to him. And we see this supernatural heaven intersecting with earth. We see the glory of God coming into the mundane earthly world that we live in. And that's how God operates. God comes into the real, uh, into our real world and he speaks to us and he begins to challenge Moses and he begins to hear the word of the Lord and he begins to hear what his call is for the future, what he's called to do and what he's commissioned to do by the Lord. And the Lord has seen the misery of the people that are in Egypt and he's tapping Moses on the shoulder to go and be commissioned to go and to rescue those people. Here's what's great about that story is this is 40 years from the last time that Moses was in Egypt. And the last time Moses was in Egypt, it had been a dismal failure. He had been a complete failure. It had been complete uh, uh, disarray. He had killed the Egyptians. His own people rejected him. And we find Moses kind of leaving uh, Egypt in disgrace. And so he came out of Egypt from a place of failure. And now 40 years later, God is calling him back to Egypt. And here's the thing that is important in the story. It doesn't matter how much you failed in the past. It doesn't matter how many times you've missed the mark. It doesn't matter if you've really messed up, if you've really messed up your marriage, if you've really messed up your Christian witness, if you've really messed up in your life in a big way. I want you to know that our failure in the past, God takes our failure in the past and he doesn't eliminate us. He doesn't get rid of us, but he restores us so that we can be used by him in the future. So we see Moses being called again to go into Egypt after he had failed, after he had messed up. After he had really uh, blew it and God calls him again. Same thing with Jonah. The Bible says that Jonah, when he heard the word of the Lord to go to Nineveh, he refused to go and he ran from the Lord. He fled, to Tar uh, fled toward Tarshish. And the Bible says that as he fled from Tarshish, you know, a great storm, he ended up, you know, in the whale and he came out. Uh, and, and so it says this, and I think it's chapter two, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God is a God who speaks to us a second time. After we've messed up, Peter in the New Testament denied Jesus, de denied the Lord, uh, used uh, profane words to distance himself from the Lord, and the Lord commissioned Peter again. And so God is a God of second chances. He's a God of second chances. Now, I, I like uh, studying about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was the cigar-chomping prime minister that led Great Britain through uh, World War II. And uh, he was just an incredible, you know, he said, Winston Churchill said, success is going from failure to failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And if you know anything about Winston Churchill, in 1915, 
in World War I. He was the Admiral of the Navy. And he had this brilliant idea to try to shorten the end of World War I by going in the Dardanelles, which is a, a passageway between the Aegean Sea and the Black, Black Sea. And he had this big grand plan. He was going to attack this Gallipoli, and he was going to have this uh, strategic battle. And he got into this battle as the Admiral of the Navy, and it completely went up in smoke. Everything went wrong, weather issues. They lost all kinds of men. It failed, and it was so bad that Winston Churchill, the Admiral of the Navy, was demoted to a cabinet post, and then he resigned the cabinet post, and he went uh, and just became a soldier in World War I. So Winston Churchill had this huge failure in his past. And then when World War II came along and Neville Chamberlain, the prime minister, was just absolutely spineless and a terrible leader, when he was oosted from power, all of a sudden Churchill comes back into play and Churchill saved the Western world from destruction. Failure in the past does not mean that you are over with. Failure in the past does not mean that your life is over. It doesn't mean if you've, you know, you were trying to get things worked out in your marriage, it didn't work out. I think you should always do that, but that doesn't mean if that didn't work out, it doesn't mean your life is over. How many know that God has a future for everybody that puts their eyes on him, even when they've gone through failure? Can you say a big amen? God has a plan for you. God is not done with you. Somebody's list, listening today that you have disqualified yourself. You've disqualified yourself because you have seen how you failed in the past and you said, I can never go forward in the future because of how I failed in the past. Here's what Churchill said. This is his most famous statement. Churchill said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Say it with me. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. I have uh, friends that failed in business. I mean, they just failed dismally in business. And they made some bad mistakes and their business went south and they end up in bankruptcy. And then I've seen some of those same friends come out of the ashes, come out of failure and find a great new business in the future. And so you see Moses, he's been 40 years, 40 years in the desert. And he's been thinking of what happened in Egypt for 40 years, how he failed. And God came to him in a burning bush and said, Moses, I've got something for you to do. And God has something for you to do. God has something that you know, maybe you, you've kind of shrunk down the dream of your life. And I believe that God has something still good for you. And so he's been in Midian for 40 years, and he's been there uh, taking care of the sheep, and he sees the burning bush, and then there's the call from the Lord, and there's this incredible moment where he's called. And, and so for, what has he been doing, what's he been doing in the desert for 40 years? He's been taking care of sheep. And the very desert that he's been serving in is the very desert he's going to bring the children of Israel into, and he's going to take them to Mount Horeb. This story happens in Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai. And God says to Moses, you're going to bring them to this mountain. So for the last 40 years, 
He's been learning about the desert. He's been learning about every bush. He's been learning about every rock. He's been burning, learning about every stream. He knows where everything about that desert. And so for 40 years, he doesn't know he's been trained. He's being trained to come back to that place to lead the children of Israel to the destiny that God has for them. I don't know if you remember uh, Karate Kid, uh, the movie 1984 and Mr. Miyagi uh, and Daniel who had been beaten up by some thuds. And, and so the, it, it says in the movie, if you watch the movie, it's a wonderful scene. And uh, Daniel comes to Mr. Miyagi. He says, I, you know, I want you to train me, uh, you know, to be, a, you know, in karate so I can defend myself. And, and so Mr. Miyagi makes a compact with him. He said, okay, you got to do everything I tell you to do. And so, uh, so the first thing he has them do is wash the car and then wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. And, and Daniel says to Mr. Miyagi, what the world? Why? I mean, this has not helped me. And he said, uh, Daniel's son, Daniel's son, this is, our, this is our agreement. Wax on, wax off. How many have seen that movie? Isn't that a great movie? Wax on, wax off. So he doesn't know. Daniel doesn't know. He's being trained for karate. And for 40 years, Moses has been in the desert where he's going to lead the children of Israel, and he doesn't know it's been wax on, wax off, training him for the destiny God has for him. Sometimes we're being prepared and we're being equipped while we're waiting, and God has a plan, and he's developing us even though we don't realize that we're being prepared for a great future. Now, I'm going to end right now, and I'm going to pray for you, but here's the, the gist of today's message. The gist of this message is that there's a couple things I want you to get in your heart. First is, God has something bigger for you than you're thinking. Secondly, your failure is not the end of your story. And number three, you are being prepared right now you are being prepared for what God has for you. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and let the Lord minister to you and speak to you? Father, there are some people in this crowd today that have eliminated themselves because of failure. They've made some mistakes. They've sinned. They messed up. They say, God, you can never use me because of what I've done. Father, we just rebuke that lie in their minds, and we pray for restoration for them. We pray for restoration and healing for them. God, we pray for people that are just stuck in a rut and they just feel like they're not really achieving the dream you have for them. And we pray that you'll awaken that dream again for them, what you want them to do. You're not done with them. You called them. You called them. You commissioned them. And as we lift our hands high, the Lord, let's just receive the blessing of the Lord right now, the blessing of the Lord. The Holy Spirit, I'm not giving the blessing. The Holy Spirit's giving a blessing. This is a commissioning service where God is commissioning us to use us in a greater way than we've ever been used before. Father, we sense the great commission, the commissioning of, of destinies right now today, that you're loosing us and calling us to particular things that you're calling us to do. And we pray that those things will be released in the hearts of your people. And we thank you that Moses went to Egypt. He brought your people out of that place. And you have some great things for us to do. We pray your blessing on us. And let's say this together. Lord Jesus, I dedicate my hands I dedicate my feet, I dedicate my body to serve you with a plan and the dream 
you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen, amen. Well, let's, let's love the Lord. Give the Lord a praise offering. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.